welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run this channel called Real Rap with Reynolds on here on YouTube, and we are also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and uh, I think that's it. That's the extent of our, our reach. Um, I also wrote this book called Teach a Class Off. It's back here. I think I want to replace this poster with a giant poster of that because I'm so proud of it. And um, this is something that we do every Sunday because we know that educators are usually scared to death on Sundays or feeling uneasy or maybe have some special super magic that they can sprinkle on everybody else. So myself and all of these fine people here on the side or underneath or however, whatever you're watching this on, show up every Sunday to try and help one another out to create this community that is supporting one another. And so if this isn't enough, you could get the book. You could join the Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds at Teacher Talk. You could have me come speak at your school. You could have me virtually speak at your school. Um, you could do a book study. You could have me come talk to your book study. If anyone's school or if you have a sizable group that like orders the book, um, I can get you a discount, first of all. And second of all, um, I do Zoom calls with people after they're done doing book studies to ask questions and stuff like that. So all that is there. Oh, and we have podcasts, which this gets turned into a podcast. So if you um, don't have data on your phone or you need like podcast is more your jam, you don't need to see this while you're listening to me, um, then that's fine. You can just go and get on anywhere that you can get a podcast. Literally. Jake said it's everywhere. So everywhere. I see the squirrels out back. They're climbing down the fence. They know I'm doing something Watch right Marley's, now. Marley's on here. Squirrel, Marley, cover your ears. The squirrels <laughs> keep destroying my yard. They need to be handled. But I don't want to kill them. And there's three of them. And Marley named them. They're ketchup, mustard, and swirly. So I don't just want to end their lives. But they pissed me off. They're eating all my stuff out there. And they know I can see them. I'm going to try and focus in. I feel like up. Squirrel. Um, so... Here we go. Ready? Got uh, Scott's question. Scott put it in there first, and Scott wrote question before it, which just helps. I don't really know if that's true because you're the one. Oh, it does. Question. Awesome. It that's a nice shirt you have on. It's a nice teacher class off shirt you're rocking oh, right now. So I don't, I don't have one of those on today because I got to record <laughs> after this something else. Um, Scott is asking, how do I grade effectively while not taking forever? I know I can pick and choose a couple of key things to focus on when grading. Scott, that's what I do. So look. I feel like, look, teachers, maybe you have this also. I feel like I have a sixth sense sometimes. I can just look at a paper and I know if it's basically right or basically wrong. I can tell. Like, so uh, one of the funny things that happened last week was a bunch of dudes were cheating and they were handing in the identical work. And I didn't notice it from their answers. I noticed it from their mistakes. So I saw on Google Docs, the same pattern of underlined red words and misspellings. And then that's what tipped me off. So kids, if you're going to cheat, make sure you spell check because that, you know, will help you perhaps in the future. Um, Scott, I think, you know, if we keep doing distance learning next year, I'm going to have to figure out a way to make grading quicker. Um, I, so my, my jam right now is like, I have, I don't know how many lessons in Google classroom per class. And then it's just such a pain to like look and see if there's old work to look and see like if someone turns something in late, it's like this process all the time. So one thing that I do is I block out time to do it. 
and I'm doing nothing else. I'm not looking at my phone. I literally like put music on. I put headphones on. I let everyone know in the house that dad is like not accessible right now because I'm focusing in on this one thing. And I find that when I do that, that's how I get done uh, emails. And it's how I get done grading is that is the only thing that I'm doing. Because just like reading a book, I find that, you know, like when you read a book, like, and you have 10 minutes at a time, like it just takes forever to read the book. But if you put all those 10 minutes together, you actually read more book because you get in this flow state of doing it. That's one thing. Two is I, you're right. I only grade for certain things. So I don't have to like, even for certain assignments, if, if, unless I'm grading and giving back feedback for every single answer, I am instead, um, I'm, how am I, how am I thinking of this? I am looking at the questions that I know you had to do, take an extra step for. So like, if I'm asking like, you know, a journal entry, sometimes I don't read all the journal entries. So like, let me make this fast. Um, Cause I'm thinking of a hundred things at, at a time right now. You can ask a journal entry and say like, what's the time that you got almost got caught for doing something and you narrowly escaped. I can just basically check that they did it right or count the number of sentences that they did. And I don't have to like read through that and thoughtfully give a response. But if I know that number three required textual evidence from, from the actual text, then that's the one that I'm going to make sure that I'm reading. And so if, and then to be honest, if that one looks like it's right, if they did that one correctly, probably they did the easier questions too. So if it's, what's the setting of the story, I can just scan that real quick, but that's not one of the ones I'm mainly looking at. And so that's how I do it. And then sometimes a lot of grades I'll do um, out of four, right? So like, and you can scale that, you can have it out of eight, you can have it out of 12, whatever, but it's four points and it's um, completely done. Four points if you get it completely done. Uh, three, if it's mostly done and like pretty good. Uh, two, if it's only half done and one, if it's like you basically wrote your name on a piece of paper and handed it in so that like those little things just make it easier and easier and easier. So I'm wondering who else does that. And like, what's, what are ways that you grade really quickly? Um, yo, yeah, Maisha, I love Google forms when it comes to grading. I, I, I have not taken the step to figure out how to do that. Um, but, uh, now Tracy says they're good too. Now everyone's going to say they're good. Now I got to go do it. But, but next week's like the last week of school. Like, is it next week? No, this week and the following week we have, and then we're done. So maybe I'll learn for next year. Um, Marta Blubberfish, can I get a shout out? I don't know about that kid. No, uh, Marta Blubberfish is my daughter's YouTube channel and she wants me to give her a shout out. Yes, she is lovely. And we have we are raising a whole house of YouTubers now. Brody started a YouTube channel and he's been like that dude will sit back here for what 12 hours the other day easily. He zones in, which he is just not gets, always no. the thing for Brody. So when he does it, it's pretty he's impressive. Like, it's like we just don't bother him. He's like plugged into the matrix. And then Mar is always editing something. So yeah, both my kids have YouTube channels and they're really wonderful. There you go, love. Um Deborah Clough, uh, Clough is asking, will this Jeep... Keep, will this keep? Oh, will, <laughs> will this keep going even though the school year is finished? Yep, we do this all summer. Um, I feel like we took a little break last year. Did we? Like I don't in remember, June? but my dad had... Your, da your dad passed, passed away, away, so, so. that kind of... So as long as no one 
passes away. I, that. I know. Come on. I just, I know. how do you make light in the darkness? You smile. Um, so I think, uh, yeah. So this will go all summer, especially because we might take a week off or something like that for like a family vacation or, yeah, or something. But, June. but the beauty of this is you can do it anywhere. I mean, we've done this, like, remember the time we did it on the beach Yes. and we, we were on the beach and I had a beach chair. You can look this one. I, there's no way to like recognize. It. I don't even remember which one it was, but it was like, my wife made this tent of towels around me, well, but it, got it was really windy. so windy and it, I it was, was awful. sweating my butt off in those things. Cause it was like, it was like the sun was beaming on me. I was encapsulated in this blanket and yeah, but. Oh, how do you Donna? She remembers it. It just shows. <laughs> thanks Donna. It's just, uh, it's one of those things. It's like this will, this will happen almost no matter what, or the time last or just a few months ago that I did it from a rest stop. And then I killed my phone and I didn't have a charger and I almost didn't make it to Pittsburgh for my speaking engagement. Um, crazy time. Uh, Nate Taylor says, love your videos. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it, man. Um, as a future wannabe teacher, I'm wondering where you think this whole COVID thing will put traditional teaching. Much love from Ontario and Ontario, Canada. I love Canada. Um, I've only been to Niagara Falls, like most people, and Vancouver, but I really, really loved it. Um, so I think uh, I'm not sure, but given what I saw anyway the other day, the CDC new guidelines that they came out with for like public spaces, schools, things like that, it just looks like the worst. It looks like yeah. So you can read Alex Q. She went back. She's in Finland, I think she said. Oh, okay. Okay. Should I read this now or keep going? I mean, if you want to talk about what um, Alex Q said. Um, oh, and as long as I remember, school opening here in Finland um, went as imagined, not so great. A few classes total here in the whole country is quarantine, and for others, a lot of hand washing. Yeah. So like that, I keep hearing that where it's like I saw these pictures, and it was on the news. So who knows if it was real? But it was in China where kids essentially looked like they were sitting in desks with like it was like pool noodles coming off their heads, right? <laughs> to keep the, to six, keep the distance. Two. If my students have pool noodles, if I have pool noodles coming off my head, you know we're gonna fight with those things. You know, you're just gonna be walking around like whacking other people with your pool noodle head. It would be it would be a nightmare. And so it, it's to me, it just seems like going back is so much more problematic than staying home. Now, that being said. I realize that there's a number of parents that like count on like life goes in such a way where your kids go to school and you get to go to work. And what happens when you can't go to work? I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm, if I just speak from an educational perspective, it just seems like a whole lot of problems and, and not, um, and a whole lot of potential disaster because we're all in the same room. So like, they want everyone to stay in the same room and you have to teach all the subjects. Like, bro, we're not learning math next year then because Reynolds <laughs> counts on Siri. That's who, or Google home. That's how I do all my math. Um, so I just, I'm not really sure how that would happen. My guess is it will look something like partially at school, partially at home. Maybe, maybe we see some kids like a day and then, you know, we teach other kids online. Uh, I think it's going to be some kind of hybrid model there, but um, but I mean, ultimately, look, I think what it really comes down to is this ends up being temporary, right? Like if it's in, I don't know how long, a year, two years, I have zero idea, but I think we eventually just end up going back to schools. Um, 
but maybe we find that some kids like traditional school is not their jam. Like, I, like I've said this a bunch of times, I have certain students that are just like doing so much better now that they're at home. And I just wonder if that's better for them. Like if, if so, you know, going forward, do, do we have more choice in the matter as far as, uh, or just students? I don't know. So we'll see. Chris Chong, what's up, buddy? Is saying, hey, Reynolds, I just started teaching some evening classes on top of teaching full-time during the day. Uh, I think I bit off a little bit more than I can chew. Any advice for handling the workload? Uh, Chris, my whole life has been about biting off more than I can chew. I think, uh, who said it? I, I read this somewhere. This is a quote of someone's. It said, uh, you know, oh, oh, damn it. Something like, like grit. Maybe it's grit is biting off more than you can chew and chewing it. Um, and I always liked that because I get bored when I don't have enough stuff to do, but I get overwhelmed when I have too much stuff to do, but I really kind of like too much stuff to do. It's like this kind of weird thing that it's, I don't know, maybe it's just sadistic, but I would say, Chris, it is literally blocking out the hours in your day. So my day, one of the things I've been really leaning on since I've been home, especially in the last couple of weeks is Google calendar. And I try to put everything in there. I want when I wake up to hit Google Calendar and everything's in there. So whether that's my wife is putting stuff in there, whether it's my helper Edie is putting stuff in there. And then I have this very clear vision of like what has to happen that day. And then I have a master list, which is around here somewhere. I don't know why I was going to show it to you, but um, has like a hundred things on it. And that's our daughter just walking in the backyard. I thought it was a stranger and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I don't know why it would scare me. Hey! She's out there feeding the squirrels. This is the problem. It's the problem. She's an animal lover. She's the animal whisperer is what she is. I swear. She's, I have like little St. Francis for a kid out here. But anyway, um, Chris, I think it's literally planning out every moment of your day. So that means planning out breakfast, planning out lunch, planning out 20 minutes to take coffee break and talk to your wife, planning out, you know, if you need to watch Gardener's World in the middle of the afternoon. And that's okay. Because that's what I like to do. I'm, you know which means I'm old because I watch Gardener's World, which I can't even find because it's on BBC and I got to watch it like bootlegged on, you know, YouTube. Anyway, uh, are you leaving me on? Because I was talking about Gardener's World. I am World. because you're like a massive ADD brain. I am, stick to but I really questions. love Gardener's World. Okay. All right. So uh, that's, that's what I do. That's the simple answer to that is I plan out every single moment of every single day. Uh, Mr. James Pete is asking, I have a horrible time with closure on the school year. Not, uh, not the kids getting on with life. It makes sense. Uh, if that makes sense, what's your best advice for closure on a school year, especially this year, James, that's a great question, man. Um, I think a lot of teachers probably deal with this and, and we don't talk about it often, right? Because it either, because I think there's this like lust for the summer, but then when the summer comes, it's like, Oh, like, where's my meaning? My, my meaning is like, is, is at a school building with children. And now I don't have that. So like, what do I do now? You know, one of the things that I like to do, it, there's a couple of things I do in the summer. One is I, I reflect on my year. And so I take a couple of weeks and actually do this. Like I write notes. I write like what I did, what I remember, what happened that went well, what happened that didn't go well. And then how can I either, like build on what worked and, or how can I do differently what different work didn't work? And that's just my process. I do this every year at new year's as well. And I like reassess my entire year. And then I go back and I look at like what I could have done better and what I, you know, what would have, um, what I should have changed. The other thing that I do is I, st- I'm really big on like, look at, 
I mean, and, and I feel this coming up in my life, which is exciting because it's getting close to summer and the weather's nicer and stuff like that. So that's a good time to do this. But I feel this huge shift coming in my life, right? And this is giving a little bit of, I haven't even really talked to my wife that much about this, but like this big shift coming in my life where I'm, I want to like, I think that there's, there's levels to life. Right. And, and I'm, I, this is taken from someone else's idea. This is not my idea. Um, I think there's levels to life and I want to know how I can get up to the next level. Right. So my idea that I'm running with this, this week, this theme amongst us and our community is that um, I am hungry, not greedy, but I want everything that God has for me this year. And so I've been trying to think about that. So I've been thinking about when the school year ends, really putting time into that, like what's for you next? How can you build on what you did this year? How can you connect with your family? How can you become healthier? How can you become like, what books can you read? What podcasts can you listen to? What work can you do that's going to fill you up so that you can show back up into school and do stuff? Because the things we're doing outside of school are their fuel. It's cross-training. Everything we do is cross-training in life. And so whether it's you take up rock climbing or hiking or knitting, that's going to inform your practice as an educator just as your practice as an educator is going to inform those things as well. So that's some of the stuff that I think about in the summer and try to like really maximize it. And let me say this one more, cause I see you got two little ones uh, in that picture anyway, but uh, a friend of mine told me a couple of summers ago, she said, uh, so turns out something like 80 or 90% of the time that you will spend with your parents was between birth and 18, right? If you grew up in sort of like a, so-called traditional family, right? Um, birth to 18. That's 80 to 90% of the time you will actually see your parents alive, right? That's huge. And so that's a huge amount of time. And someone told me the other week, or a couple summers ago, they said like, so Brody's going to be 13 this summer. Um, they said that means that you basically have five summers left with your son before he starts going out and doing his own thing, taking his own trips, going to his own places, living his own life five summers left. So I try to maximize that time as much as possible. As much as I work, um, I try to really dial in and really make memories. That's my whole mindset. It's not just spending time. It's how do I make memories with my kids this summer? And so that's what I've been thinking about. Long answers. Um, Carolyn is asking, if we start in September with distance learning, how do we build relationships with students on a classroom community or, or a classroom community online? Carolyn, this is this is something that it's like the million dollar this question. The million right? dollar question. It's what I've been thinking about the most because I I live on, without relationships. My classroom doesn't work. Like I just don't think I just don't think I'm good enough. Like that that's like it's it's basically it's like that feels like my superpower in a way. And when that is taken away, it's like, well, what else you got? Reynolds, like, you know, can you do you have what it takes to 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 create a classroom that's engaging enough, that's connecting enough, that's actually impacting young people. So my initial guess is, I, I don't know, but it's gotta, I have to break down communication somehow and it cannot be in the form of a Zoom call with a group of individuals. Like that's just never, ever, ever gonna work. Um, I think maybe it's making videos and sending it to them to families like, hey, my name is Mr. Reynolds. This is what you would see at back to school night. Or this is what you would see on the first day of school. I'm just going to break it down right here for you and try and make something dynamic. At least just let my energy come through, even if I don't have a green screen and do all that stuff. 
because I want to set myself apart from from everyone else in the school. And that's not uh, that seems like really kind of narcissistic, but like I do like bring your game, bro. Like I'm, I'm trying to be I want to be memorable. I want you to go home to at the end of the first day and be like, yo, there's this English teacher that we have in ninth grade. And like this dude's either crazy or amazing. I'm not really sure or, or both. So how do I do that? to start winning kids over. And then I think it comes maybe in the form of phone calls. I'm not, I'm not really, really sure. Cause it's, it's Philadelphia is too big to drive to everyone's house. Like if I taught elementary ed or, or if I had like one group a day um, or every day, like that would be different. Well, you're not even in a like district. No. It's not a district since it's a charter school. Look at it's our like seniors. We drove around to like 85 or 90 homes. I know. It's it took a- like, I don't know. 20 hours yeah, or something, something like, like that divided. close to 20 hours to drive all over the city so um i don't know but that's a great question and I'm, it's something i'm still thinking about and so something i i'm hoping to have some level of an answer when we go back in september um he's closer to yeah yeah september. um chris grady is asking first year teacher in the fall and i've oh chris what a year, right? I'm sure you've been thinking about this already. Like, what a year to, to start. It's so crazy, man. Um, but you'll have a really great story going forward. Uh, I have gotten a job, but it's an hour away. School board approved, but not signed contract. Now I have an opportunity to take a job 15 minutes away. How should I approach? Chris, I think that if you like the job that is 15 minutes away from your house, I would do that. And this is why. One, you don't owe anybody anything. Yes, they offered you the opportunity. And yes, that's great. But ultimately... Um, even teaching in Philly, which isn't that far, like on the weekends, I can especially get up to my school really, really quickly, but I live in New Jersey. So when I taught in Jersey, it was no bridge toll one, two, it was so much faster. Like if I wanted to run the school, if I needed to do something, if I needed to grab something, if I forgot my lunch, I could just run home. But if you're an hour away, that means that what are you going to do if your students want you to go to a sporting event? What do you do if there's a play? What do you what do you do if there's like a thing where you go home and then you have to come back to school for conferences or or anything? It's an hour away, so it, that doesn't seem like like so. Look, if you're driving an hour away, let's listen to tons of audiobooks. But if you can have a job that's that much closer and it's comparable, I would just take that job a hundred percent and then just see. Um, and then just apologize, say, hey, look, something else came up. I really appreciate the opportunity. I don't take it lightly. Um, but something came up that's closer to home. And, you know, when you start having a family, if you don't have one already. Yeah, but like, I just think, gosh, wouldn't it be great if I worked like, we always say this, if I worked in town. Oh, I know. If I could like ride my bike to work, if I had a bike and I rode it to work. And or, you just are able to like continue building relationships in a different way. And like, oh, there's dude, time. If we didn't have kids. And I worked in town. Oh, I know. It would be. We would still have Our kids. front porch would look like. <laughs> it would. It would look like crazy town all the time. I would think we would have kids over on our porch at least all hey. the time. You know. Real go with my girlfriend, Mr. Rose. Mm-hmm. No. Guys, I'm watching the show. <laughs> um, that would be kind of awesome, man. We got movie nights and stuff. We would go nuts. All right, relax. All right. I'm getting excited about it, even though I'm not going to do it. But um, Noah Cornell is asking, fifth grade teacher was told the students couldn't receive a lower grade in the third quarter grades. Uh, What was it the same for your school? Noah, this is the question. I just had a really good talk about this with a very good friend of mine the other day who was told 
that the third, so the third quarter of her year or the third um, trimester of her year, they were giving out assignments. They were grading assignments. Teachers were giving thoughtful feedback. Students were handing stuff in, but not all students were handing stuff in. Um, some students just said they weren't going to do the work. And so they were told at the end of that third trimester, they were just told this last week, that they have to give everyone 100% for the third trimester, which is like, what? Like what? what message does this send to children that did the work? Now, look, I just had this conversation with my wife the other day that maybe this becomes a video at some point. I think grades are arbitrary. Grades are not a determining factor in whether or not you will be successful in life. I feel pretty successful in my life and I didn't give a crap in high school. Um, just that's not when it hit for me. Now, education, 100% was important. But I learned things growing up like I wasn't allowed to quit. My parents didn't let me quit anything, man. And if I did, like on the off chance, I quit two things in my life. Soccer, because I got kicked in the face by with a ball by Nicole. She kicked me in the face with a ball all the time. And, um, and piano. Both times I had to walk myself to the places and explain to that individual why I was no longer going to be on their team or take their lessons. And so that made me not want to quit stuff because it was like more, it was more difficult to quit than it was to just stay locked in. There were all these lessons that I still learned, but um, it wasn't great. The problem I think though, that with this is that we are sending students the wrong message that kids that did the work are now going to be like, well, what the hell am I doing work for next year? Like, how do I know this is going to be great? I put all the time and effort in. Now, look, they still learn the stuff. They still advance their learning and, and became better people. But I, I just think it's, it's so, it, it is, I, I hasten to say this fully, but it feels like schools are being weak and they don't want to have the conversation with students and parents and that sort of thing. Now, that being said, our school does, I'm not going to talk about it yet because, because it's not public knowledge, but like we do have some certain things in place where certain students will not be able to go below a certain grade. And really, that's because access has been such a hard thing in our school, like kids getting laptops, kids having internet. So I get that like kids wouldn't be able to get like, below, let's say, a, let's just throw a number out there and say it's below a 55%, right? Because once you go below that, it's really hard to come back up. But like, if you can start them at a place where it's like, dude, if you start doing work, you can build your grade back up to something else. Um, but I, you know, part of me thinks this isn't that big of a deal, right? Like ultimately it's like, it's, it's a few months, it's one year, it's whatever. It's not going to ruin anyone's life. Like no one loses at life because we had coronavirus and they didn't get to go to school all the time. I don't think that that happens. But are we sending students the correct message and saying, look, what you do matters, what your grade matters, your effort mattered, your, your lack of, of effort mattered. Um, and at least having those conversations, I think that's a really important thing that we need to be doing with students. So if we are doing these big sweeping changes of like, everyone gets 100, that needs to be explained uh, and students need to know why. Um, and if we are jumping over that, then we're being lazy and we're being scared. It's always about, yeah, make it, make a decision, but explain why, like have the conversation. And, and I think that that's, that's how you win those situations. Um, and there's a lot to say about that. Like I could go like a hundred different ways with that conversation, but that's just what I'm feeling right now. Got it. Uh, 
Lada is asking, hi from Sweden. Hello from Sweden, or from Philadelphia, not Sweden. Um, I'd love to hear Sweden. Every time someone tells me they're from a place, I always think like, man, someone emailed me from Kuwait yesterday and I was like, damn, I'd love to go to Kuwait. That would be amazing. Um, here schools have been open throughout the whole pandemic. Whoa, I have five guys in my class who always talk to one another during class and they aren't talking math. Um, so my question is, what do you do to stop this behavior? I have asked them, told them, ignored them, yelled at them. Nothing worked for more than 20 minutes. So I, that's a great question. First of all, I'm really wondering what that was like to be open during the whole pandemic. Like, you know, are students coming to school? Like, what was the feeling in the community and stuff like that? But, um, but I will stick to the question. If I have students that never stop talking, um, I do any number of things, right? And so it depends on the day, depends on the student, depends on the class that I'm teaching, but that can look like a lot of different things. One, I'll move students and I tell kids that, um, you know, there's kids that like, um, that will get aggravated because you're moving them because they think you're singling them out. So I will say like, look, I think you're gonna work better here because of this, this, and this reason, right? It's not because you're in trouble. Like, I get it, man. If I'm sitting next to my best friend and I'm in a PD meeting, like, I'm going to talk to them also, right? Like, this is what I do. Um, and and we are, by nature, we like communicating with one another. So I think it's just going to happen. But, um, or I'll ask kids, like, look, you're not, you're, we're not reaching our potential because we're too much engaged in what's going on here, right? So, what do we need to do to help you to be the best that you can be in this class, to win at this class? And so what you're doing is you're putting it in the student's hands and you are letting them make the decision. So I'll say like, well, like, where do you want to sit? Like, cause kids will often just say, I don't know. I'll be like, well, where do you want to sit? You can sit anywhere in the room, literally anywhere in the room. You can stand on your head in the back against the wall. If you want to, um, you can lay on the windowsill. You can sit on the couch. You can sit on the floor with a clipboard in your hands. So long as you're, as you're engaged. So what would you do? How, where would you go if you had, if you had full range? That sometimes helps because it puts the, the, what you're doing in the student's hands. The other thing I'll do, like, you know, this is sometimes like, I'll just, um, I'll mess with kids. Like I'll just like, uh, put something around their desk. I'll squirt them with a water pistol. I'll, you know, depending on the student, again, um, I can call home and, but when I call home, I never, ever, ever, ever have a phone call that sounds something like, hey, I'm just calling you to let you know that your student, um, Scott, keeps talking all the time in class. And I really, I've tried everything I can think of. It's every single day. I cannot get him and his friends to stop talking. Um, and I just wanted to let you know. Because all that's doing is pissing off from the parent, pissing off the student. They come back the next day. They're more angry with you. So it becomes this this gnashing that, that doesn't need to happen. I call instead and say, hey, look, Here's a problem. Here's a, here's a, or here's a situation that's coming up in class. Your student talks every day. I've tried this, this, and this to try, to try and help them focus in because I want them, right? This is what you're communicating. I want them to win, not I want them to be quiet because that's about control. That's about rules. That's about, that's about you know, you versus them. What you're trying to do is say, I'm trying to like pull this student up off of a cliff with a rope, but like, they're pulling the other way, right? And so like, I'm trying to help them out, but I, my help's not being seen or, or it's not being, or they're not kind of going along with it. Then you ask, 
what has worked in the past to help that student do well. And that is a conversation, like I say all the time, you're putting it on the parent because the parent knows the child and then they can inform you in the best way possible on how to help their student do well. And so I think like basically those three things would really work. If not, then I'm talking to students alone in the hallway and asking them what's going on and how we can work this out. I'm having lunch with those students and building relationships with those students because when I build relationships with those students then they're not acting out my class because there's a new level of respect and trust um, that, that I have. So I've, I've made it to pop into it as well. Um, but you know, any number of those things, if you try them, uh, but it's like not giving up. Um, it's, it's ultimately, look, you're, you're, the problem with students talking in class all the time is, and you know, maybe it has something to do with lessons too. So like me making sure that your lessons are engaging enough, that they're moving quick enough, that there's a certain set amount of time. So if you're talking and doing something and the class moved on, bro, you just missed the train. Like I'm not, I'm not, the train doesn't go in reverse to come back to the stop because you showed up late. So if there's 10 minutes to do this, I'm holding you to it. There's an alarm on my phone. Then we are moving on after that. But, um, yeah, so I just think that like any number of those things could could potentially work in your situation. Um, Steve Gideon is asking a question. Going back to school for my master's, should I get a master's in education or a master's in English? Already have a BA in English. Um, I think, I don't, my guess, maybe someone else would be able to say this because I don't have a master's, but um, I would say getting your master's in education feels like that would serve you better going forward, especially in the education space. Um, and, you know, so that's something I feel like a college advisor would be able to tell you. Also, I think it ultimately has to do with, I think educating yourself in any way has to be done with the end in mind. What do you want to do? And what does that look like? So like, I have like all these pictures on my wall over here and I have pictures in other places in my house that are like the end goal, right? Like they, they are, are, are part of my goal, right? There's, it's something I want to do. So whether it's my um, sauna that I want to own. I want to own a sauna. The health benefits are incredible. Um, they're really not that expensive. It's something, something I can even fit in my baby little yard right now, but it's something that I want, but I have a vision. I have my entire life actually planned out to a T. So I don't do anything that I'm just doing to do it. It is always building towards my ultimate dream, my ultimate goal, my ultimate life that I have for my family. So I, that's how I would think about getting a master's as well. It's like, how does this play into your overall plan for your life? And if you don't know that answer, then that's something worth thinking about and thinking about like, well, why would I want to go back for a master's? Is it just fun? Do you like school? Do you like English? Do you like education? But like what, you know, I, I like to just have this bigger sense of like what I'm going to do. And that's, that's how I get after it. Um, Kellen White is asking question. I'm starting a teacher training program in the summer and we'll be co-teaching in the fall. I feel like, Confidence is needed to be effective. Any advice on how to build confidence? So, Kellen, I, you know, confidence, I think, is, is not something I was born with, right? I have, um, in many respects, a great deal of confidence now. Like, I always walk into school confident. Like, I feel like I'm on top of my game. Like, I could do anything. Um, there's other places in my life that I don't have a lot of confidence in. Um and that's, I think, because the places I have confidence, I have um, dared greatly in those areas and won. And when you do that, it's like 
damn. Like, like if you got into a fist fight and you were you fought someone um, and you won, right? Even if they were much bigger than you, stronger than you, more more skilled at fighting than you, and you win, you just feel more confident about that. If you get beat up all the time, you know, there's not a lot of confidence there. So, you know, I so I think what I would do is you you know be okay with the idea that you're not confident in the beginning of the year, right? But remember this, fear and excitement feel very very similar to one another if you really think about it. And so I sometimes will tell myself, I'm not scared. I'm just really excited about what's coming up. And so I get myself excited. I go in and the, the number one thing I can tell new teachers is do not wait to be the teacher you always dreamed of being. Be it now. Try it now. Not once co-teaching is done, not once I have my own classroom, once I have my own classes, once I have tenure, once I have a new contract, once I get through the year, once my kids are growing up, once, you know, there's always something else. It's literally making the decision now to be the teacher you always dreamed of being. But going back to this stuff, it really takes having a sense of what you want that to look like. So what, think about it, sit down, put music on, grab a glass of wine, do whatever, but like actually envisioning what would my ultimate classroom look like? What would my relationships look like? What would I, um, how would I walk in the class? How would I start class? How would I run class? How would I like, how would I end class every day? How would I build excitement? How would I get kids excited to show up to school? How would I greet people every single day? How would I get along with my coworkers? Like the, and, and don't, and, and I never, ever, when I'm doing this, take into account haters, trolls, or anyone that's going to be um, in opposition to me, right? They, do, they don't get to play a part in my fantasy. My fantasy is there because I think that if I see it, then I can be it. And so I'm building, I'm building up confidence before I even walk in there. And then I'm going to try all these things. And some of them you'll do well. At, and some of them you'll fall flat on your face and you'll be completely crushed and embarrassed. And you can't believe you even got into this profession. But if you can build on those and keep growing, then I think that we, that you win and then your students win. And then that's when confidence starts to show up. So that's, uh, you know, I, not sure if that helps, but I hope it does. Um, said, um, and I like, they said preparation helps them to feel confident. Yes. hundred percent. Well. Yeah. And so I think that that is, goes back to that piece and that can play into that, like dreaming what it's going to look like, mm -hmm. like being prepared. Um, I love being in a classroom that is a hundred percent ready on the first day of school where I can like literally just sit down in the front and I look at it and I'm like, there's nothing more to be done it is only the execution of my, of, of the game that really matters. But like, the desks are there, the seating is, it, other seating is ready, my papers are my, are made, my copies are created, and then going, like, executing uh, on, on my vision after that. Um, I don't know what that question is. Right? Uh, Zachary's saying, how are you handling all of this? Uh, I don't know what that's speaking to specifically, but I could make something up. Um, so, I mean, if I'm dealing with, like, quarantining, like everyone else is, this chair is very squeaky, okay? Fix that. I will. I'm gonna have to tighten it up. I think. Um, you know, to me, like this whole, all this stuff that's going on is like hasn't for us been the worst. It's actually been like a really great blessing for all of us. Um, with regards to our family and our personal business and connection piece with one another, like I wake up every morning and have like I don't know hour, hour and a half long 
dreaming coffee sessions with my wife. Yeah. Like my, my day is mine. I have tons of stuff to do. Um, I, I, I've gotten an absurd amount of like brand deals and stuff since we went on this sort of like quarantine from school. Um, now look, I do miss my students. I do miss being in school. I don't like distance learning. It is not like, it's not preferable to me rather to, to being in the classroom. I much rather be in the classroom. That's what I got into school for. Um, so it's like, I miss all that, but like being home with my family and, and getting to, to like take breaks when I need to. And I just feel like it is, it is, it's what I thought it was going to be. I know a hundred percent that I come out of this stronger than when I went into it. Like, like, and when I'm thinking about the shift that's coming up in my life, like planning, um, cause I planned it all out planning on coming out of this so much stronger. And then like actual, actually like doing it has just been really fun. Um, but, and, and I say that knowing that like, there's a lot of people that are suffering in the world, like, but you know, that, that there are people that are having a really hard time with this people that are living alone, people that are, that are depressed, people that are, this is bringing up a lot of issues for them and stuff. Um, and I don't minimize that at all, but I'm saying my experiences, what I've decided to do was, was, was shift my mindset and think of like, you'll look like, I don't know, you know, history teachers would know this, but like during the plague in London, they would they would put people in their houses and board your door up from the outside like you weren't allowed to leave so it wasn't like social distancing wasn't even a thing um it was like you can't leave they made you do it yeah you're forced to do it so i just think that it's not like if i was going to be quarantined um 2020 is the year that i would do it right like so like me living in america during 20 in the year 2020 being quarantined like isn't so bad like it's yeah i just want to say though that despite like i think everybody through quarantine has some sort of hurdle that they've had to get over like even for us right like just learning space and boundaries when dad is working and you're not fully accessible all the time and there's still been things that we've had to like overcome and trials that we've had now we haven't had anything major to deal with, like a financial loss or, you know, a loss of a loved one or, you know, being, we have a little outdoor space, like things like that has been really great, but. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, Kelly is asking Kelly Homestead. Is that really your last name? It's a great last name. Because CJ wants to homestead. I do. I want to. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Um, first year teacher here, starting in the fall, any tips on flexibility? Uh, that's a great question. Any tips on flexibility? Um, so first of all, congratulations on starting, uh, your teaching career. I think that's awesome. Um, what do you think? On flexibility? Gosh, knowing that the job is never done. I would say like as an outsider for teachers, like looking in, like when you started, it is literally never done. Like you're never going to yeah, be caught up on everything. There's always something else to do. And I think that the biggest thing that I have always seen in you is really like cutting out your time. Sorry. Oh, I don't feel it. Thanks. Um, like scheduling your time, right? Like personal time and school time yeah. and like really chunking those out. I think that seems like the best way to stay seen. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, it's not all on you, right? So I think that one of the ways I, I, I 
was able to be flexible. So I talk about this in the book where I talk about um, this time that we did a lesson based on Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And uh, in so then I talk about how like that just didn't go well. It was just a total nightmare. And so I could have like beat myself up about it or whatever, but I was able to take what the kids wanted to do and flip that into something that we actually did in class and, to, and like let them actually have a voice in class. And so that was a sign of being flexible. I think also being flexible is like schools are going to throw all kinds of stuff at you. And if you go in too rigid or with exactly what you think is going to happen in mind, then you lose because every time someone throws something at you, throws a curveball, you get all beat up about it and stuff. I really think, and this is something I would actually read up about. I think staying in um, a, a state of play is the way to handle anything because when you're in that state of play, it is, you just don't get, as bogged down about it right and so i heard this really great podcast years ago that's so on... true and that's such a difficult it's so funny we're complete opposites in that way you can stay in a plate of a state of fun which is like your or play which is your natural state that is not natural for me but when i can make myself laugh at something that would generally it's still funny but just annoying to me because i don't operate like yeah. that like if i can make myself put a smile on my face or muster up a tiny little laugh, it changes everything. Well, that's the reason that I do like, I have all the weird crap in my room too, that, right? To it's be honest. Be it's because, wait, you hate what? I hate that that works. I hate that that's like the, perf you know, it works better being in that state and that's not my normal state. So that's what I hate, I think. You know, but if I say like, with all the things that I do in school, like all the wacky crap that I do all the time, the reason that that works for me is because it puts me in that state of play and then you're more flexible. And so I heard this yeah. really great podcast. There's a podcast called on being with Krista Tippett. That's like one of my favorite podcasts in the world. And if you go on uh, anywhere that they have podcasts or just type in on being Krista Tippett play, there's this really, there's a scientist that talked about play and how it's so important and how that's how we learn limits. Like even wrestling with our kids, you know, kids learn how far they can go or, or like the limits of like, that sort of banter yeah. because of of play and so i just think that's if you can go in with that playful heart which can be cultivated even if it's like my wife was saying like even if it's not your natural state um then you're you're better off for it this one mm -hmm. okay. uh amanda davis is asking how is everyone splitting up work and school while being at home i've always been someone that needs the structure and place to work and now I'm grading while watching the great British bake off. I think um, everyone's struggling with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I think one is just having grace for yourself. Like I, I just, we, we don't, you know, my friend Alex Kajitani said to me recently, he was saying how his family doesn't do schedules very well. They do rhythms. And that, man, that was like, my wife and I were just like, damn, yeah, like, that, that was good. Me. Like, because I, can go like so today i am i have a lot to do i have to record a video for for a company um i'm sp uh customizing microphones so we're going to start selling i'm going to show that real quick literally sitting here peeling off these, stickers so i use these in my classroom right i have them all over the place um but you, you can't buy them in the united states anymore like you used to just be able to get them at any number of stores and now they don't exist anymore oh that has some kind of maybe it was just lotion just, from your hands no, it's just, um, oh this one does feel weird it is, uh, so we couldn't find them anywhere. So we found them in like, I don't know, where do we get them from? I don't know. 
So it doesn't matter. But, but wherever we got them from. You can get them in bulk now. Yeah, like so we had to buy like a hundred of them. But uh, that, so I'm going to be customizing those all day so that we can sell them on our website. Like there's always all this stuff to do. But like that, I just think of like what needs to get done and what do I want to do? Like doing, working on the microphones, like in spray painting them all, like that's actually peaceful to me. I like being outside in the yard. It's quiet. I have podcasts on or just music playing in headphones. I'm chilling. It's really, really nice out today. And so that brings me some peace. The other afternoon, it was like, no, I just want to watch a movie. So me and uh, Jenna and Marley like finished Matrix 3 because we were watching the Matrix trilogy with Marley because she never saw it. And like, that was what I needed to do that day. So I think it is, it is not likely, especially if you have children, that things are going to work out in a certain way every day like they did when you went to work. It's this more kind of like flowy thing that we've been doing where still wake up in the morning, still do my morning routine. Um, but after that, it's like, do I want to work on Real Rap with Reynolds first? Do I want to work on schoolwork first? But then making sure that on my giant list of things to do, I know what needs to actually get done today and having everything planned out in my Google Calendar. So sometimes that looks like a cup of coffee in the afternoon so I can get energized and, and rock out with what I need to do. Sometimes that looks like watching a show and drinking a beer in the afternoon or sitting on the porch for 30 minutes or something like that or taking my dog for a walk. Like it, it just all changes in flow. So. Yeah. And I think it's, and I, I think we're getting better with being all right with that. Cause we also know that we could take off all afternoon and I could work till midnight if I want. And then yeah. I can get up at eight if I want. I think you really five. have to like, do what works for your life. Like what's your dynamic in your house? Do you have children? Do you not have children? Like do, are your children self-sufficient or do they need you? Like there's a lot yeah. of things, there's a lot of variables. So I don't think the answer is the same for everyone, but I think it's just making small shifts to figure out your flow, your rhythm, you, how you work as a person. Because I will say in the beginning of all this, it was really hectic. Like, because we're so, because it, well, because our life is really busy already. Yeah. But so when we didn't have that like work aspect that you went to work, it became really, really busy at home yeah. um, without any clear yeah. boundaries or lines. And that was a hard adjustment, but I think we just, made daily shifts each each day to, to figure it out. Yeah. And I think I think we're doing better with that. And it's been a oh, great absolutely. space to do um to do experiments, to just try and see like, hey, maybe we will take off the whole afternoon and go down to the beach and take a walk. And then when I come home, I'll just work till one o'clock in the morning. Like let's see if that works. And and that's that's a, that's been a chat instant. room question, but I think you could answer okay. it because you're a parent and all right. So Scott is asking chat room folks my daughter is starting kindergarten this fall, kindergarten this fall. Anyone know how to wear the teacher hat and also the parent of a student simul uh, hat simultaneously? So I don't parent like I teach at all, um, largely, because they're my kids. And it's, it's different. Like, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I, I don't even know that I can explain it. Um, the thing that is always the same is a keeper real. Like, I, like you know, the whole idea, about, again, behind Real Rap with Reynolds is it's real rap is like having real talks um, and being authentic with, with people. And so it is, I'm authentic with my kids about like what I think, like when I decide to, when they were in traditional schooling, if they brought a whole bunch of homework home saying, no, you don't need to do all this. 
or we're going to do this instead. And then writing a note to the teacher and letting them know that, or having a conversation about like, if someone was being a bully at school or someone wasn't being nice or someone told on you or something happened at school, it's like having those real talks with your student, with your children. And I just think that those it's the same building relationship skills that I use when I'm at school. And, and those skills are listening to you, um, not feeling like I have to fix you all the time and being a hundred percent honest with you so that you will hopefully be a hundred percent honest with me in, in, a, in a way that is kind and caring and not, um, you know, tough and authoritative. Uh, I just think that that has really, really worked well for us. And, you know, we have good kids. So I, unless we're just born that way or we accidentally got them, like, but I think, oh, that works hard. Right. Like, kids. I just feel like Thank if you. you put in the work with your kids, it's, it's, but that's the same thing in school. Like if you put in the work and you don't back down and you're confident and you are, yeah, you know, dil- like diligent in what you're doing, then I think you just you'll be all right. Like you'll be good. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Jacob Ingram is saying, oh, and also Scott, uh, if school does go back, um, let your school know. This is, this is real rapid Reynolds tip here. Uh, I have never, ever missed a day, a first day of, for my kids. Even if that meant missing a class or two of school or not usually two, but like, or a meeting or something like that, that when my kids go back to school, the school knows every year that I'm not going to be here on the first day. Cause I always walk my kids to school and send them off. And then I go to my school. And that's been something that I've been allowed to do. And I've kind of gotten away with for years. Um, but I just, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss anything. I never miss anything for my kids because of something that is school related or me related, like not, not a game, not a uh, recital, not anything. I don't miss, um, because of that, because it's that, it's that important to me. I actually, I missed, well, I missed one basketball game because I think I had a speaking gig Yeah, and, and Mara was like, you a hard time. she was like, how could you do that? And I was like, never again, I'm going <laughs> to do it. Um, because I have all the time in the world to build my career and do all that stuff. It's like, I only have a certain number of years with my kids that are like this. True. You know what I mean? Um, Jacob Ingram, Ingram. I don't know why they come out like that. <laughs> Jacob Ingram is asking, can you explain how you do your vocab? I have students use index cards, but I worry that my students will lose them. Thanks. I also teach ninth and 10th grade English. Um Okay, and then he's asking about points too, which is good. Good point. Point to bring up. Pun not intended. So I do vocab in a whole bunch of different ways. It depends on what the students really get into that year. So typically, what I start out with is PowerPoint. You get five words a week. That's it. Um, and then we do a deep dive into five words instead of giving like fifteen or twenty words, something like that. And we're just doing rote memorization because um, I want you to actually start using the words and really like having them become part of your vocabulary. Hopefully. So that PowerPoint is the word and the definition and the part of speech with um, a picture of something that is an example of that. And I try and look for examples in pop culture, hopefully something that's new. And so that's one thing. And then I have the makeup vocab words uh, or vocab cards, but that's really because my students don't all have like a like cell phone. So it can't do something like, um, like Quizlet or something along those lines with all the kids. Now, for students that want to, they can put that on their device and, and create like a Quizlet or something like that, but they don't have to. So, I, But I do make everyone do note cards because um, I think that there's, there's a value in writing something down that commits it to memory. And then the, the rest of the week, 
varies. Sometimes it's, uh, but there's always some sort of review every day where we're touching those words. Maybe you're putting them in your journal. Maybe you're answering questions with it. Maybe you're looking for them in the book. Maybe you're drawing pictures. Maybe you are creating memes. Maybe we're doing a quiz that's based on like, here's five memes, match the meme or the GIF with the word. Um, maybe it's, you know, I'll show you like a 10 second clip from like a movie. What word is is connected to this? And so um, looking up synonyms and, and knowing those. But I don't think that, you know, we have far since been done with this model of school that is requiring students to do rote memorization, especially when we have Alexa and Google and Siri in our lives. There's zero reason to remember like any number of like uh, of any of certain things. I think that's good to have base knowledge so you can read and you can pull from that knowledge when you're reading. But, you know, trying to cram all this stuff in, in our brains is just nonsense. But what I can do is help students to grow their vocabulary in far more organic way to make the words actually meaningful so that you are creating, you have a broader vocabulary so that you can understand things, so that you can explain yourself better, so that you can learn that like your story is actually important and to have the words in your in your sort of word arsenal to use to explain yourself and to, and to share your ideas with the world. And so that's part of it also. And I think the biggest part of teaching vocabulary is teaching students why they're learning vocabulary or learning these words or why this actually matters. Because that's the biggest thing that pushes students off is if they don't know why. So that any student would be would ask a teacher, why are we doing this? And the only answer is it's on the test or you need to know it or you'll see when you're in college. Like those are those are terrible answers. It's being able to tell students like, this is why we learn vocabulary. This is why we learn, you know, uh, science. This is why we're studying physics because it, because this is what matters. And, you know, I think that that's something that all teachers should be able to to say at the drop of a hat, like, why are we doing any single thing that we're doing? This is why. Let me break it down for you. Um, and kids don't have to agree with you, but it's just like being able to be prepared to say why you're doing any given thing at any time. Um, oh, and the point system thing, um, I don't do the points anymore because uh, I got away from that. And I don't look, th there's a lot. Of, I got some crap about this online recently where someone was like dog in the point idea. Wait, did you answer that question? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it right now. Oh, so I want Oh, I thought it said. I understand how point system was. Do they still get five points for the? Oh, 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 oh! I thought I was reading it differently. So I would say that one. I don't use the point system anymore, but that's because I'm. I've. I, that's maybe a whole another video. Two. I still think the point system is valuable for those of you that don't know. Kids get um, it fluctuates from year to year, but it's five, four or five points a day, and those points are. Um, how I help kids like stay focused on, on what we're doing. I want all my students to be like intrinsically uh, motivated, but that's not the case. A lot of them are extrinsically motivated. And so if you say something like, if you do that again, or if I have to talk to you again, or if you're not doing this, you're going to lose a point that snaps kids too. They've already been sort of trained to the point world. And so if I'm doing an assignment and someone goes, do we have to do this? Is this, how many points is this worth? It's like, wow. Like we're doing it because we want to learn and we want to become better people and like grow our minds. Um, but that doesn't always work. So you have to say, well, yeah, it's worth this many points. And then kids are like, oh man, better do it. So um, if someone is absent, it depends on whether or not I would give them points. So like, let's say, uh, let's say someone was there 
Monday, or they were out Monday, but Tuesday through Friday, they crushed it. They did everything right. I'll just give them the points for Monday, right? I just, it's in my head and I just do it. Um, because what, what you would end up doing anyway is like averaging it out and the average is still going to be the same, right? So, um, so I, they don't lose points for not being in school. If you miss a critical number of days, like let's say three or more, then I just exempt you for the week. So I put in exemption. I say student missed too many days to accrue points for this. And that's fine. Like, so they're not penalized for it or, or and they're also, their grade isn't like, if I gave you a hundred, it's like, dude, if you weren't here for four days and I gave you a hundred because you did well on Friday, um, that's not really useful. So, you know, th that will work as well. And so that can, but then you can do whatever you want with those points. Like if so, if someone gets pissed about that, because they were out because something happened in their family and then they showed up on Friday and did a really good job. It's like, look, I'm not going to give you class points, but like you did do a good job on today's assignment. I'll tack on some extra points on that. And I think that that's, that's doable. What you got there, buddy? Um, you look deep in thought. Well, cause I'm trying to figure out this person's, but he did it too early. He said, but I can't find the rest of, Oh, oh, is that good? Here. Okay. Gus. So start with this one? No, just, I think it's all in that. Okay. So Gus Ward is asking, I'm 21 now and due to finances and starting school late in, uh, and starting school late into the next year, I will be 26, 27 before I land in front of students. What challenges did you face being older and starting your career? Uh, Gus, zero challenges. And let me tell you why. Um, I... If I could go back, there's no chance I would have started teaching when I was 22. It wasn't for me. It's for a lot of other people. Like people get out of college and they feel ready to roll. I literally in my life, I just talked to my wife about this the other day. I have been slow at everything my whole life. My mom used to sing this song. I'll tell you what it is. And this is unbelievable. She, my mom used to sing, come on, CJ, you're like a turtle, slow and pokey. And that is because every Wait, let me just interject that cj is still the same way slow and pokey um <laughs> it, and to me though like i didn't i didn't go to high school or to college right away like i got um i got out and worked at a gas station for a year and then because you know i want to live the dream um so i worked at a gas station in jersey and then i went from before and then I like, but like everything in my life from buying a house, having kids, having a serious career, starting college, finishing college, starting a business. Um, like I didn't write a book till I was in my forties, like, but I never wanted to do it in my whole life. Like, like literally everything in my life has been behind where everyone else my age usually did it. And I can say with full confidence that it hasn't mattered at all. If anything, I've had more to say because, and, and I taught from a better place. Like, so if we go with teaching, right? I traveled all over the world. I had all kinds of crazy experiments and adventures that I was a part of. I made tons of friends and did all kinds of stuff that like made me a better teacher when I started teaching. And so I think that when you start teaching that late, um, as long as you're you're getting after it now look like if you're just like sitting in your mom's basement and like sleeping next to the christmas decorations and you know you know the only thing you do is like play video games and 
maybe that doesn't make you a stronger, better person. But like, if you're filling your life with experiences, again, it goes back to this idea of cross training, you are, you show up ready to go. And I just think that you can explode on the scene and, and really get after it because you have all of this stuff that you've been doing that's been building up the person that you are heard a really really great interview the other day i'm going to forget the woman's name uh, but i was telling everyone last week that my new favorite podcast is the darius daniels podcast it's d-h-a-r-i-u-s um and there was i forget what that woman's name was i don't but she is she runs an organization that is um focused on stopping uh sex trafficking trafficking and slavery in the world and but she didn't start until she was 50 and she was saying all these things she's like i couldn't have done any of this stuff when i was younger because i didn't have it to give yet so i've been accruing all these skills and building up who i am so that when given the work i could run right into it and so i think that that's that's how i look at that um, so don't sweat it at all and just, you know, get after it. It'll be awesome. Laura is asking, uh, hi Reynolds. Hi Laura. Hitting the wall this week. How do I keep myself from thinking about what school may have to look like in the fall? Laura, I just don't think about it. Uh, to be honest with you, like it's literally, there are times in my life where kind of darkness spreading across the land, the land, like a shadow. And if I don't get in front of it, it take it gets the best of me. And then I end up being sad or depressed or whatever. Um, one of the things that I do to ward that off, and I say, nope, you're not, I am not having this conversation. I am not having these thoughts. I will, n- I will not allow it. This is my body. This is my brain. I, I decide what happens here. This isn't, I, I'm not like happening to my, my myself, I, I'm on offense and not defense. And when I can do that, I can tell myself that I'm not thinking about that. Our school is going through such a monumental change in every possible way before next year that it is like uh, to think about it ahead of time on top of distance learning is like it's paralyzing. Um, if I think about anything like that, is I look at what's in front of me. I look at what I can do. So I have my my vision of my life, right? And my vision of my year, my vision of what I want things to look like. And then I break that down into micro actions. So like, um, let's say like, how can I, how can I break this down? Um, I'm going to give you a, a non-school related example. Uh, so look, I want to own a farm. <clears throat> I want to own at least three or four acres uh, which is a small farm here in New Jersey. And I know um, around where I want it. I know how many bedrooms I want in it. I know how much land I want. I know how that I want woods. And I like, I know all the things that I want, exactly what I want. So I have this dream, but then I break it down into these micro things. So I start just figuring out how much does a house cost? How much would it like, and, and figuring out all the different things that I would need to know, like how would I get a mortgage for that? How much money would I need to make? Um, to pay for the mortgage. And so how much money would that require me to make a year or a month or a day or per hour? And so I am breaking it down in such a way that it is all clear before me. And then I don't think about the big picture anymore. I literally look at, okay, I need to make this much money or I need to get this much 
um, invested by this date. And so what you're doing is you're breaking your life down into these micro actions that makes it scalable, right? It is literally like learning to run because you're putting one foot in front of the other and you're not thinking about the 20 miles that you have to do to finish the marathon. That's too overwhelming for everyone. You literally think about right here and right now as best you can because we the truth is we don't know what's going to come in the fall. We don't know if we're going to be in school, if we're not going to be in school, if we're all going to have pool noodles hanging off of our heads. We don't know like what that's going to look like because the thought of thinking about that of kids being six feet apart in my room and you can't give anyone a pencil or a notebook that um, the amount of times I have to wash my hands and use hand sanitizer. The fact that I might have to teach with some kind of plastic thing in front of me, like I'm at like some, you know, uh, I don't know, like some really, I don't know, like a box office at the movie theater or something like that. It's like, I don't, that it sounds terrible to me, but no one seems to actually know. So that's that's how I'm kind of choosing to deal with that is I go, I do a gratefulness practice every single morning. I sit quietly and I think of five to 10 things I'm extremely grateful for and I actually feel it in my heart. And then I do the work that is right in front of me that day and that's it. Um, Scott is asking, did anyone accept late work? Oh, Scott. Oh. I don't think that was directed to you. It was more the group, but I thought I know your struggle with that oh. question. So I thought I'd give it to you. And all my weekly assignments due on Fridays during distance learning, unless kids had an IEP or reached out to me, I didn't take late work. Scott, I didn't take late work either. And I drew a line in the sand. And then the school said, can't do that. Got to accept late work. So now I'll accept late work, which is like I've given that is like over a thousand assignments I've graded already since we've been on distance learning. And now it's like the idea of doing all that late work whenever someone wants to get to it, even if it's, or, or my favorite um, to, to be passive aggressive teacher for a moment is you hand in something six weeks late. And the next day you're like, uh, your realms, did you grade that yet? Bro, I figure I got six weeks to grade that thing. Cause that's how long it took you to get it to me. Um, so I do have to take late work. I do not make it a priority. I get to it when I can get to it. Like I try and be mindful that kids are waiting to see what they got, but like, I don't let it stress me out at all. Like it just sits there um, until I have extra time to, to do it. And then I do like little ones at a time and I take off. Um, there's points off if you hand it in stuff late, like significantly, like if it's a day or two, like during the school year, I do zero late work, no matter what, unless like someone had a really harrowing experience um, but doing this, it's like, it's just such a pain. And, and I don't have a good answer for that. Like my guess would be not to take late work unless you knew someone's story. Um, but the kids whose stories I know, and it's like, they're still handing in stuff late. And it's like, girl, I know that you're home with both parents and everyone's happy and healthy and doing okay. And then you're just playing the game in a way that is wrong um so yeah that's that's my, my deal this is your um, last question. okay cool last question jason is asking do you feel like you're you feel like teaching is your true calling if you could go back would you change anything career-wise jason this is a great question man um i have everything in my life that i've done i felt like i've done because i needed to do and so the the reason that that is so impactful to me is because I never, you know, I do get tripped up on what other people think sometimes. Um, but largely I know my why, and I know like th that's so firm, like what I'm doing and why I'm doing it 
that I know, and this is that, that, that I, I'm never thrown off for long, right? Like I know why I'm married. I know why I'm married to this person. I know why I had kids. I know it was a calling for me to move to this house, to this neighborhood. Why are you laughing? I really want, I know. I really moment. wanted to say like, do, I'm glad you know. <laughs> you know why. <laughs> Keep going. Um, I know why I got a dog. I know why it's like I work at the school I actually work at with the boys I actually work with. I know why I started YouTube. I know all the things that I, that I do. I know why. I know 100% that it is my calling. That is exactly what has been given for me to do. Like I would realize that like, you know, other people's opinions um, didn't change the outcome of the things that I did. I'd be crazier and have bigger projects. It would be, it would be more monumental um, than some of the things I already did because like, because I, I would just know not to be holded to be beholden to the good opinion of others. Um, you know, my friend Marisol reminded me of this the other night, and I heard, used to hear Wayne Dyer say this back in the day all the time, which is, uh, what other people think of you is none of your business. And when we can remember that, it's like, then you just feel like you can go do anything. And so, yeah, so that's that's why I teach. Um, and I, you know, and I could go into that and talk about all that why and all that stuff, but um, there's probably a video out there about that. But um, I think there is, why I became a teacher, right? Yeah, but I keep telling you, there's a different kind of video for that. Oh, I know. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> All right, that's it? That's it. Cool. Real quick, everybody. Um, Do I have anything to tell everyone? No, I don't think so. Let's just tell everyone this. Hey, look, the book, it's on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. If you want to buy it or if your school is thinking about doing it as a book study, please reach out to me so I can put you in touch with my publisher so I can get you the discounted rate. There's also now, just finished it the other day, uh, book study materials also. So I can send the link out to that as well if you're interested. And so your school gets, you know, a discounted book. They get the the all of the stuff to do a book study with. And then for any schools that are doing it or any groups that are reading the book as a group, I'm offering free Zoom calls or Skype call at the end of your study so that we can, you can ask questions and you can kind of like, we can talk about anything that you want to talk about in the book. Um, and if you are ordering the book, Thank you so much to the people that are going on Amazon and leaving a review. If you've not done this yet, I would really, really appreciate it. It only takes a few minutes to go on one star, five stars, whatever you think, and then just put something in there. What that's doing is it is getting the book out to more people. And the ultimate goal there is to help as many people as I possibly can. Um, and that's it, right? Yeah. Cool. We'll see you next week, everybody. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.